Hey guys, Brad here again. Wanted to welcome you guys to episode 41. Today we are diving into Romans chapter 10, but I wanted to throw out a disclaimer really quick again this week. Unfortunately, the recording issues I had on the last episode, episode 40, have reared their ugly heads again today. So there are going to be some moments throughout here where it sounds jumbled. And it's going to skip some words and skip a sentence. I've had to cut out a couple full points because the context was just completely lost. A couple examples real quick. Uh, later on in the episode, it's going to cut out in the middle of a passage. And there is a line in a song that I quote that says, It didn't come cheap, but I got it for free. It cuts part of that line out. So it's going to sound a little weird, maybe not make a lot of sense in a couple moments, but I think overall the points are going to get across. I am going to work diligently this week to figure out why this is happening. I have tech support working on the issue, trying to figure out if it's my recording software, if it's my hardware itself, my equipment. So bear with us. We're going to try and work through these. I do think overall this episode makes sense and there's not an issue there. But again, I do apologize. You're going to hear some weird edits and weird moments where it just cuts off. I uh, hope you guys enjoy the episode, and we'll see you guys next week. Welcome back, guys. Rooted in Logos Podcast, episode 41. An episode that we uh, didn't think we were going to put out this week. But Austin has had some scheduling snafus and... <laughs> Well, to say the least. Yeah, 60-hour work week now until the end of the year. Yeah. So yeah. you are being put through the ringer. A bit ringer. busy. Monday through Saturdays. So. It's insane. I'm sure everyone's thrilled oh, yeah. by that. Yeah. Overtime's nice, but uh, at what he, cost? He, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cost of the family. But then, thank you to <clears throat> old Uncle Joe. Never mind. I won't even go yeah. Never mind. Brand Not new. even worth it. Uh, so... <laughs> Episode 41, we're going to get into Romans 10 today, but uh, first, just to kind of talk about a little bit of what's going on outside of the, these uh, outside of these four walls here, and um, the Rittenhouse trial ended last week, and um, I think based on what I've watched on the, you know, on what happened and, and all the facts that came out during the trial, granted, I didn't watch every minute of the trial. I did read summaries of what came out and what happened. It felt like the right decision was made. Uh, you know, the, the whole media, you know, uh, story that he crossed state lines with a gun. Well, turns out that wasn't true. Mm-hmm. It was racially motivated. Well, turns out not a single person <laughs> that was involved in this case was anything other than white. Uh, you know, he, he was going there looking for trouble. And uh, he, all, all I can say is that boy is about to become very, very wealthy. Yeah. Yeah, I have a hard time with this one. Um, have a hard time keeping my Christian attitude about this because there's a really big part of me that wants to just see the people that defamed him and that starting at the top, starting at, oh, yeah. at President Biden, suffer for this and and like legit suffer for this, bankrupt and oh yeah, uh, obviously that won't happen. But there's a part of me that really wants to see revenge being taken out, and and that's not the best attitude to have. But man, this poor kid. Oh yeah. He lost a year of his life, and his life is never going to be the same. I saw a story that came out either yesterday or today that says the Arizona State, which is where he's planning on going to college, there's a whole movement to keep the blood, quote-unquote, bloodthirsty murderer out of their campus. Oh, wow. They're trying to get him kicked out before he even starts. And yeah. It just, it's unreal to me wow. how people, and this is really my point, how people will just read the headline. news article or read a headline yeah. or watch CNN or, or even Fox News and just go with that 
as gospel. And facts literally do not matter. No, they don't. Literally don't matter. You see it with the vaccine. You see it with everything. Facts just do not matter at all. It's all about whatever the narrative is, and let's just buy into it. I mean, if you believe, you know, what you see on CNN, I got some uh, oceanfront property in North Dakota to sell you. <laughs> Contact <Yeah>. me. <laughs> we'll work something out. Golly. Well, and, and really now it's guilty until proven innocent, and it really is. And you think otherwise, it's changed my mind. Point where the, the verdict is not already determined in the minds of the people, in yep. the minds of... Mob mentality. Yeah. You know, the times we're in. So just my encouragement to you is is to do your own research and watch watch the watch for facts and not opinion. Mm-hmm. And, and if the media, no matter who it is, if the media is telling you one thing, just immediately say, eh, that's probably not the whole story, or it's probably not true, or it's just not right lie. Right. So... Again, yeah, like what Brad said, don't look at headlines, stuff like that. Actually do the research, and there are plenty of sites that you can go to to actually just read the facts without any biased, any opinions, and you can look at it yourself. Yeah, so um, other news of the week. Uh, Kentucky just put a thumping on Louisville on Saturday. That was a lot of fun. We got to watch them beat Louisville by a 1,000 points, and... Send the filthy red chickens back home with the tail between their legs. And it was great. It was a wonderful experience uh, with my, a group of guys from church to to go watch that game and uh, get a nice loud boo for the governor of Kentucky. That was cool to <laughs> cool to hear. So anyway, um, trying to think of what else. A- anything new on your end you, besides working a thousand hours? No, 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 that's about it. Well, we hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Hope everyone was able to spend time with family and, and eat uh Eat a good meal and just remember, you know, have a day to remember all that we all that we're blessed with. You know, mm-hmm. we complain about the media and still we're blessed to be in this country and, and yeah. blessed to be able to, you know, do what we're doing here today and meet every Sunday at church and go shopping and buy gifts and you know celebrate these holidays. So we we do have a lot to be thankful for despite the problems that oh, yeah. that we see. So just keep that in mind. And again, we hope uh, this next few weeks with. Christmas coming up. You guys keep the main thing the main thing and enjoy, you know, enjoy the time. Enjoy the season. This is a fun time of year. Oh, yeah. Love it. Very busy. You know, a lot of parties, a lot of, a lot of get-togethers, and it's going to be a good good time. So, I'm sitting here staring at my un- incomplete tree because I don't have a topper. I got to figure that oh, out. that's right. Yeah. yeah. My ceilings are incredibly low, so I don't know <laughs> what kind of topper I could even get, but what are you going to do? Figure it out. It looks good, though. Yeah. Lots of red. No. No. Not even a little bit. So, Shout out to Carter. Yeah. Well, let's let's get into Romans chapter 10. Uh, So, real quick on scheduling and on just kind of on what what the next few weeks are going to look like. Because of Austin's work schedule, we're going to put out one episode a week, uh, just moving forward. And we're going to stick with Romans tonight, and we're going to... Maybe sprinkling some other topics. We, we've got some ideas for Christmas topics and, you know, what traditions are good, what traditions aren't as far as, Christ, you know, from a Christian perspective and our opinions on, on those and, you know, what we kind of glean from the scriptures about various holidays and various traditions. So we'll get into all that. Uh, we have a few other topics kind of in the line and, you know, we're just going to kind of play it by ear week to week and. We'll surprise you just like it surprises us. Well, today, uh, get into Romans chapter 10, continue there, and uh, we'll, we'll get started. So, 
Austin, if you want to get started reading, and then I'll pick up where you stop. Sounds good. Uh, We'll start off Romans chapter 9, verse 30. Uh, We're talking about Israel's unbelief. And again, this is being addressed to Israel. So we'll, we'll pick up from Romans chapter 30. And what shall we say then, that Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it, that is, a righteousness that is by faith? But that Israel, who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness, did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone, as it is written, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what in your heart, that is the word of faith that we proclaim? Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew or Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have. For their voice has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. So he starts again by talking about those who are using the law for their righteousness. He's talking to those who don't believe in Christ, talking to the Jews who do not hold that Christ is the Messiah, the one that was promised by Isaiah and all throughout the Old Testament. So that's where he starts. And he, of course, verse one, his heart's desire and prayer for God is that they may be saved. Again, kind of reiterating what he went back to in Romans 9, where he's almost saying, if it takes me going to hell for you to be saved, I want you to be saved. Yeah. Uh, so he's, he's again, just reiterating how passionate he is for his brothers and sisters in the Jewish faith. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, it's it's his people. It's the, again, looking back at chapter 9, they're, they're the people of the promise, the, the covenant 
the the ones that the law was given given to the the ones that the patriarchs came from right um and his heart's desire is that they all may be saved even though paul knows he knows that not all will be saved but he he desires that he wants that and and again that's god's desire that it says i desire all to be saved but again that's it's just not going to happen right but and yeah. you look at verse 2, and I like this verse. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. So these people that he's talking to truly, truly want to please God. They are passionate about the law. Mm-hmm. And I think you see that with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They, even though they were so hostile to Christ and so hostile to Jesus and what he was, you know, what his message was, what he was claiming, they had a passion to please God. Now, yeah. it was not according to knowledge. It's this... You know, we know the law, and we understand the law, and so if we live by the law, we're good. And that's what their whole thing was. And and that's not what Paul, that's what Paul's saying is holding them back. Right. Is their unbelief in Christ and the fact that they still hold the law. But he understands that they, they want to please God, and he's just begging them, this is how you do it. <laughs> please see this is how you please God. Yeah, and it's not, yeah, it's not just giving sacrifices for that pleasing aroma, it's, he, he wants obedience. And that's where the law came in. But again, what is that other side of it? So, right. leading into Sorry verse 3. Sorry dog's whining there. I was, just want to pet it. My husky's a little Did vocal now. Yeah. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. So again, righteousness on God's mentality of it they they thought that they could obtain righteousness through the law and instead they missed the whole point of the law showing you that you can't obtain righteousness right. that you know they're ignorant of god's righteousness that is shown through the old testament law because that does show perfection what perfection is supposed to look like and they fail to see that they fail to live up to it of course and then they also don't realize that righteousness now comes through christ and it's because of christ that we are declared righteous before god yeah well, so they they're ignorant forgot. of both of those things. Yeah, they forgot Abraham. I mean, what did he do? And it was kind of disruptiveness. He believed God, not just believed in him. He believed what God said that what God said would come true. And again, it's almost like they forgot that. Looking at everything that God has told them throughout the years, and I, I guess that's probably where that mentality of, oh, well, God told us the law. He gave us the law. So if we follow it, we're righteous. Whereas, no, it goes back to, do you believe God and do you believe in God? That is counted to you as righteousness. It's not so much the law, if you can fulfill it or not. Right. It is, do you believe what he has said is true? That is what it's talking about. God's righteousness. To submit to his righteousness is to believe in him and to believe what he's said. Yeah. So, verse 4, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. And, and I, one of the commentaries I was reading said that this Greek word could be translated to fulfillment or to termination. Like, it, yeah. it actually, it, one of those two. Um, but either way, this basically shows that this idea of the law is how you obtain righteousness is gone right. because of Christ. And it shows that Christ is the only way to get that, get that righteousness, which is, a, which is great news because yeah. it's, we can't do it on our own. Well, and it's like <clears throat> the way I, I read it and see it, again, looking at just what Paul has said for the past nine chapters, it, it's both. It is a fulfillment, but it's an end. As in 
for the physical representation of the law. As in, you have to do this X, Y, Z throughout your entire day. And again, it's, okay, what was the purpose? It was to believe God. And so, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So, if you believe in Christ, if you believe in God, believe what they have said, that is the righteousness. It's not the law. Well, in our attempts at righteousness on our own, through the law, or just, you know, if you... In modern day terms, just through doing good deeds and doing good works are futile. Yeah, and and they're use, they're useless because our best deeds, the best things we can do in this world, are as filthy rags. So Christ has done away with that idea of you can do this on your own, you can earn it yourself. He just completely blows that out of the water. Yeah, and that's you know that's what Paul is trying to get across to the to these to his Jewish family is to say, hey. Christ is doing, Christ has done what you've been trying to do for generations. Earn your salvation and earn your righteousness. Christ did that. He paid the price. Now get it through your heads because it's the only way to heaven. And I want you to be saved. He is desperate for them to be saved. So I guess that leads me to a question. Do you have that passion for people in your life that aren't saved? Hmm. Do you have, I'm talking to myself, I'm asking myself the same question because I have family members who aren't and, and friends who aren't. Do we have that same passion that Paul has here? Where, I mean, he is, I mean, essentially begging them to come to Christ. Now, you can get into semantics of like, well, you don't want to turn them off. You don't want to run them off. You don't want to do this, that, and the other. But what are you doing to to share Christ? Are Are you you doing something? Praying for them. Are you trying? Yeah. Do you have a passion and a zeal to see your family members, your friends, those that you interact with on a daily basis that don't know Christ? to come to know Christ. Yeah. Because as I've alluded to before, how much do you have to hate someone not to tell them the only way to keep, to avoid hell? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's, you know, it's a tough question to ask yourself and to to think through. And like I said, I'm asking myself just like I'm asking everybody else. Are we passionate about those who are lost? Yeah. Well, and like, yeah, looking back at verse one, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. And so, yeah, if you're at that position in your life where you physically can't do anything else, you've, you've been banging your head on the brick wall trying to tell them any scripture you can, then all that is left that you can do is pray and say, all right, Lord, if by chance you would have me be the one that right. shares more scripture with them, then so be it. If not, send someone else, put someone else in their life. To do that because it, do, it doesn't matter yeah. if it's you or if it's someone else as long as they're getting the truth the point then of course is be passionate about the lost use paul's example here to fuel your prayer life for those in your life that aren't mm-hmm. believers and, and to you know ask god to give you opportunities to share something or to um, be an example in some situation you know even if it's a situation where you're handling a, a tough situation in your life, where you can be an example to them of how you handle that situation. Yeah. Like uh, the question of being, how can you be happy or how can you be joyful or how can you still praise God or thank God or believe in God, even though this is going on in your life? Get those questions asked or try to, you know, and just be that example. Yeah. So, Well, a good question also to ask yourself is, do I look like Jesus to any of these people? Right. <laughs> and... Um, I can tell you right off the bat, no, from my own personal right. experience. 
for me. I'm like, no, no, I don't. To try to look like Christ. Well, and, and it's uh, an example of that in my world was I was a manager at a Papa John's. Really fresh. This was, you know, a long, this is a long time. Kind of right after I graduated high school. Been working there for a year or so and had a frustrating day, frustrating night shift or something. And I, I said a couple words that I probably shouldn't have said. And one of the other managers looked at me and goes, never heard you say that before. Are you are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. He goes, no, it's fine. Like, it shows me that you're human and shows me that you mess up too. But, like, I kind of took it as a compliment as he's like, man, I never, I've never heard you say that. So live in a way that if you mess up in front of them, which, by the way, you spend enough time with them, you're going to. They're like, that's out of character. Yeah. Is he okay? What What's going on? So that, that's just kind of my thought there is just like, you're going to mess up, especially people you work with. You're spending 40, 50, 60 hours a week with these same people. They're going to see. Yeah, 60 hours a week. Yeah. They're, <laughs> they're, they're going to see the rough side of you from time to time. You, you know, it's going to happen. But and, make that out of character. And that's the whole point of being vigilant, being sober-minded. Yeah. And, and that's not just talking about, you know, becoming drunk. It, it is f- literally being able to go your day-to-day to be composed. And again, who are we serving? To whom do we serve? And who are we supposed to look like? And you have to stay vigilant on that. Because, yeah, you're representing Christ to these people. And and you're going to fail fail every day. Yeah. But we got to keep ourselves from so on. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. In your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Kind of a little bit of a confusing little paragraph here, I think. Um, And I want to kind of go to the commentaries here to kind of shed a little light on on what this is talking about. Um, But first, Austin, do you have any thoughts? Just kind of initial um, thoughts on this one. So yeah, uh, verse 6, but the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. For me, again, my understanding looking at scripture as a whole, this is looking at when you are looking at someone, again, scripturally, as Christians, we are to judge other Christians. We are to look at them and say, hey, I see this visible sin, and you are to confront them. That is that is our job. Um, meanwhile, making sure that we don't have a log in our eye, trying to take the dust out of our brother's eye, but that, that is our job, to confront, to be that counterbalance, to work with each other with that, to help each other grow stronger, but even for other believers. And that is to look at someone and say, yeah, you're you're not a Christian. You're not a believer. As in, you're not going to heaven. Or, you are a Christian. You are a believer. And you, we we can look at them and through Scripture, looking at fruit. Yeah, do they have fruit? Is there any growth? But again, that is not your job to say you are a Christian. You are going to heaven because what does it say? It says, 
do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven. That's exactly what it's saying. Because that is to bring Christ down. That is taking the job from Christ, his job, and you are taking it. And then when you look at someone and say, oh yeah, you're definitely going to hell. That is not your job. Because then what does it say? It says, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. You just tried to take the power from God the Father that brought Christ back from the dead. That's not your job. And that is a very dangerous place to be in. So, again, looking at Scripture as a whole, when someone says they're a believer, love believes all things. You believe them. You're all right, I believe you. But you're also not going to say, yes, that man's a definitely a Christian. He's going to heaven for sure. I'd bet my life on it. You, you don't right. do that. Don't do that. So, one of the things that, that uh, a couple commentaries that I've read kind of brings up for these few verses here is he's quoting a couple different passages in the Old Testament and even rewording them a little bit just to kind of make them almost paraphrasing. Uh, so in verse 5, he's kind of paraphrasing Leviticus 18.5. Um, and it basically says, To hope for a righteousness based on obedience to the law requires perfect conformity in every day. He's going back to this idea that you cannot earn your righteousness through the law, through obedience to the law, because it is impossible to perfectly obey the law. See, verses 6 and 7, where he's talking about who will ascend to heaven, that is to bring Christ down, who will descend to the abyss, that is to bring Christ from the dead. Um, I, I like exa- I think exactly what you said. That's not our job, is, is not to determine who's going to heaven, who's going to hell. Now, that is Christ's job. Also, on top of that, um, he's, he's quoting Deuteronomy uh, chapter 30, verse 12 and 13, and his point is that righteousness of faith does not require some impossible odyssey through the universe to find Christ. Basically, what, what I think is happening here is that the Jewish people have overcomplicated this idea of righteousness. Yeah. And they are basically saying, we have to you know, comb the depths of the abyss, and we have to search the heights of heavens to attempt to be righteous and figure out how we become righteous. And Paul is like, no, guys, it's really not that difficult. It's not that complicated. It is simple. It is Christ. It is Christ alone. So let's Christus. Christ alone is the way we get the righteousness that we need to enter into heaven. It's only through him. And so Paul, again, is just hammering this idea home. I feel like we've been talking about this for 10 weeks now when we go th- going through Romans. We're hammering the idea that the law shows us our inability to save ourselves. And Christ is the way out of that. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so, yeah, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 14. But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. So that's verses four through so on. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk to them when you sit down in your house, so on and so forth. So it's it's that thought of, especially now, as we have the Holy Spirit, we we accept him, we believe, as we'll talk about here in a minute, that that is written, God's words are written on our hearts, mm-hmm. as in the Holy Spirit when we were talking uh, the couple chapters back, that groaning 
too deep for words that the Holy Spirit has, that when we cannot pray the way we ought, the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf, according to the will of God. And I, I believe that's also what it's kind of referencing to here a little bit as well. This is the will of God. And the word, that is the word of faith that we proclaim. And what do we proclaim? We proclaim Christ. Right. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I want to stop here and I want to make sure that we, I want to make sure that Austin and I kind of get this through and, and, and make, hopefully people understand that this is not a simple, yes, he's God. Because even the demons do that and, and know that and believe that. This is a legitimate, life-changing confession Mm-hmm. It is deeper than just words. It's deeper than just saying it and acknowledging it. James says that even Satan does that. Even the demons believe. This is an absolute radical transformation of your life. Does it happen overnight? No. Of course not. Because we're not going to be perfect until we enter into the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. But this is an actual 180 turn going, you were going one direction living life one way and then you are making a one at a turn and living life the opposite way and you're living life for christ yeah true salvation bears fruit not just yeah i believe so i just yeah. I, well we look, tend to water down the gospel especially yeah. in the west we're starting to water down the gospel it's 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 why we are so focused on making sure we we dive deep into the word making sure that that we understand what the word is telling us because it is not just this watered down yeah just believe yeah it's repent turn away and believe and confess yeah and and i think verse 10 again says it for with the heart one believes and is justified so you believe in your heart that jesus christ is lord and savior you are justified but the next part and with the mouth one confesses and is saved so, you believe in your heart, you're justified, but then you have to confess it out loud, not just for yourself, but for other people to hear it, that, yeah, for me, now you are saved. Right. And, and it says that, heart, justified, mouth, saved. So, it is very important to do both. You have to do both. Verse 11, for the scripture says... Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So, okay, looking at scripture as a whole, it also says not all who cry Lord, Lord will be saved. So, what is this talking about? Again, referring back to believing in your heart, justified, pronouncing it with your mouth, saved. You have to do both. Once you do both, and you, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, that's you. Right. That's you. Life change will happen just naturally. Like, it's not, it's obviously going to require effort. It obviously requires, you know, discipline on your part and digging into the Word and digging into what the Bible says of how to live and, and what we do next, you know, after we believe and after we have that experience of of acknowledging with our mouth and in our hearts, but the life change is going to happen. Yeah. You're going to see your desires change. You're going to see your attitudes change. You're going to, yes, have a desire. 
you know, have to have a sinful desire on one end, but when you commit that sin, you're going to immediately be like, oh, that is not what I should have done. This is where I should have been. And that's it. You're you're going to make that 180. You're going to start heading back towards Christ. But there are going to be moments in your life, multiple Veer moments. Off the path. You, if you have done this and there has been change, there are there is fruit in your life for Christ. There is the fruit of the Spirit. You will want to turn back to Christ right. every time. Right. It doesn't mean it'll be easy. It'll be very hard because, again... Our entire being, every fiber of our being, our heart is wicked. Mm-hmm. So it is very hard. So you're going against your natural tendencies and your natural yeah, urges and desires. Looking at these addictions, looking at everything from you're a chain smoker, you can't quit smoking. Uh, you're uh, alcoholic, you're drunk, to pornography, to all of this stuff that is just you are consumed with. That is your natural bent. Why? Because we're in a sinful world. Our flesh is sinful. So we have to be that. That is why we have to be stay, stay sober-minded. That's why we have to stay vigilant so that we see these things coming and we get on our knees and we're praying, God, please help me because I can't do it on my own. And that's the right. whole point. Yeah, absolutely. I want to go back real quick to verse 10, just real quick, um, where it says, oh, sorry, verse 9. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. I just want to focus on that for just a second. I know we we went forward, but I do want to point out, without the resurrection, none of this means anything. He'd still be dead. He'd still be dead. His teachings would be useless. Be another Muhammad. Exactly. I mean, Before yeah, he said Muhammad. some. He said some nice things and some things that yeah, we could live by some of these things, but yeah. it wouldn't do another, anything for us. Yeah, another eternally. Gandhi. Yeah. So. Understand that the resurrection is a vital part of the salvation experience is understanding that not only did Christ die, but he's he's living. Mm-hmm. He's living now to this day. He rose from the from the dead and he's alive. Yeah. And he will never die again. Quick side note. So I just finished a book. It was uh History of the English Speaking People by uh Winston Churchill, Birth of Britain. And uh it, it goes from it goes from Julius Caesar coming across the channel to Britain, to Britannia, all the way up to um, Henry VII. And it's interesting when Christianity comes on board, when these um, these men come across the channel to, you know, uh, preach the, the good news of Christ. And what really catches them, what really catches the, the, the Britons, the Britannians, is that wait, your God died and then came back to life? Wait, what? And that's what, one, one side sold him and the other side got up in arms and wanted to kill them all. <laughs> but that's that's the point that they were truly interested because everything else is just kind of like their own gods. Right. And that that is one of the biggest moments that it's like, oh, wow, okay. Yeah, I, I, because, yeah, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. <laughs> Joseph, jo- what, what, is, what do Joseph Smith, Muhammad, Buddha, Gandhi, what do they all have in common? They died. They're all dead. And they never came back. go to their graves. You, th- their bones are st- probably dust, but their remains are still there yeah. in theory, right? Yeah. The pivotal part of this whole thing is you have to understand that not only did he die, but he, God raised him from the dead. So believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. 
So again, and and the natural response to that is going to be obedience and worship. It's a natural response. When you understand that, you have the knowledge, the head knowledge that he died for your sin. He died in your place. He rose again on the third day. That head knowledge is there. It transfers into heart knowledge and belief. Obedience is going to come naturally. Yeah. I mean, again, it's going to be a struggle, and it's going to be, but well, the desire for obedience, that's, that's it. it. Yep. The desire for obedience is going to come naturally. You are going to want to obey. Yeah. And again, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So call on the name of the Lord as sons, as daughters of the Most High God, of the King of the universe. Call on his name, and you will be saved. So Paul shifts in verse 14, starts asking a bunch of rhetorical questions, I think. But he starts asking questions. He says, how will, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. For me, this, again, this goes back to chapter one, that natural revelation, that uh, Looking at it as, okay, you have this island in the middle of the Pacific where there's no way that the Word of God is going to get there unless God puts someone there. So it's that natural like revelation. When someone gets to that point where they are like, okay, there is something else, and they have that natu- natural revelation, okay? How then will they call on Him who they have not believed? Those are the islanders. They've never heard of him. They don't know him. How are they to believe in him and whom they have never heard? Same ones. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? That's the moment where God sends somebody. Right. So the whole lead up in these rhetorical questions leads up to this idea that a clear presentation of the gospel must precede a true saving faith. It has to come before. There has to be a a clear presentation of the gospel. That is why missions work is so important. That is why the Great Commission is imperative. Mm -hmm. Because in order for someone to have a true salvation experience and to come to a true saving faith, they have to hear the gospel. They have to hear it. I mean, yes, sending Bibles where they can read it, but they need to hear it. They need to hear the gospel presented. That true faith has always been contingent on the revealed Word of God. Yeah. Well, and it has to come from somebody who already believes. You can't just give someone a Bible and expect them to understand. I mean, yeah, you don't want to take away from God's power. God can do whatever He wants. You can give someone a Bible and God can give them whatever. That That's completely different. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Now, yeah, Great Commission, we've all been sent. The Great Commission is so that we all go out and do this. But looking after the Great Commission, look at Paul. Uh, it's an Acts. They were trying to go to Asia. And every time they went, it it says in Acts that God forbid them from going. Why? Oh, reading on, it's because God had different plans for them at that time. Uh, so they were trying to go to Asia, but God wouldn't let them. So they ended up going to meet this woman named Lydia. And God. it said God opened her heart, opened her mind to listen to Paul, to listen to Silas. And she believed and she was saved. She was baptized because of 
her baptism, her entire family was baptized. Because they went there and Lydia was saved, later they were thrown in jail, and then the commander of the jail was saved, and then his whole family was saved. God sent Paul and Silas to Lydia and to the commander of the jail. Right. But it was not yet time for them to go to Asia. Why? I I don't know. All I can all I can see is what scripture says and my my mentality, my thought is that there was nobody yet in Asia that had natural revelation. And even if it could have been one, I think God would have let them go. But it it they, it wasn't they weren't ready yet. So God sent them somewhere else that he wanted them to get, which was Lydia, her family and whoever else was there. Yeah. So, seven in mind as well. Again, who sends us? God. We don't send ourselves. We do not send other people. We we can equip them with again, again what God has already given us. Right. But God sends us. So we're all sent. I mean, yeah. whether we're called to be overseas missionaries or to be, you know, full time in the ministry, that's between you and God. Yeah. But what's not, but well, this is between you and God, but what is, what we can say definitively is that we're all called to share the gospel. Yes. Period. That, that's definitive. So, again, Paul is, is pushing this home that people, we need to share. We need to hear. People have to hear it. Everywhere. Have, everywhere. Across the ends of the earth. In your neighbors, your people across the street, your best friend that isn't Christian, so on and so forth. They have yeah. to hear it. Yeah. And who is going to be the one that shares it? Hopefully you. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully you have yeah. that opportunity, but, but they have Pray to about it. hear it. And so I want to, you look at verse 16, and Paul uh, brings up Isaiah again. But if they have not, or, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? And so again, it, it, it the good news is not only a gracious offer, but it's a command to believe and repent. We've talked about that. You have to believe, you have to repent. And so Isaiah 53, I'm just going to read uh, verses 1 through 5. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows. He was despised and he was esteemed not. Surely he was he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. And so Paul is bringing back that prophecy of uh, that Isaiah is sharing about Christ. This That from the beginning, from the foundation of the world, substitutionary atonement, big word, but this idea that God, or that Christ was our substitute, he paid our penalty for us, he atoned for our sins on our behalf was the plan from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Substitutionary atonement was the plan from day one, from moment one. And, and that's again, what Paul's alluding to here when he, when he kind of quotes Isaiah 53. Yeah. Just moving on and, and kind of honestly getting close to wrapping up this chapter. Verse 17 through Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have. Their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. Psalms 19.4. Exactly. And, and what that's doing is that is Paul going back to David and showing the, the Jews that even David understood that natural revelation has, has reached the world. 
And this is the man after God's own heart. Yes. Yeah. Natural revelation has has reached the, the masses, okay? And then he goes on to say, but I ask, did Israel not understand? For Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Deuteronomy 32.21. Deuteronomy. So Israel was ignorant of the salvation truth that was contained in their own scriptures. Mm-hmm. They were ignorant of what was being pr- prophesied and how salvation was to be obtained. And even in Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy 32, verse 21, let's just read that. Let's read Deuteronomy 32, 21, where Paul is again alluding back to Deuteronomy 32, 21. They have made me jealous with what is no God. They have provoked me to anger with their idols. So I will make that is basically showing the Jews right there that the Gentiles are going to receive salvation. The Gentiles are a part of this plan. That it's not just the Jews that are going to be saved. It is going to go out through the world. And it's going to happen through Christ. And that the Jewish people were the people that God chose to carry out this plan of salvation to the world. So again, it is important, it is imperative to be sharers of the gospel. That's that's what Paul's driving home here in this last section of this chapter. Be sharers of the word and understand that salvation comes through Christ alone. We've talked about that at length. And that it is our job to tell others about that salvation. Yeah. All right. So looking at Luke chapter 14, verse 12, this is the parable of the great banquet. He said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do you not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid? But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Verse 15. When one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say, But they will all alike begin to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have my excuse. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to the master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done. And still there is there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges, and compel people to come, in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. That is referring back to, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. And then so on and so forth, where it goes on to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have been shown my I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But to Israel he says, all the day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Looking at it also as the bride of Christ. Israel was I mean again, they are still the chosen people. 
going back to chapter nine, they are the people of the covenant, the ones of for the patriarchs came from. They were meant to be the bride of Christ. But look how many said no. So, God included the Gentile. So, we are a part of the bride. We are the bride of Christ, okay? But later on, there are still going to be those people that are coming in from the hedges. They are coming from coming from the highways that God is saying, there is room, come in, there is room, come on in. And so, I think we're getting to that point in time where it's going to start getting to that. Yeah. Yeah. And I just... I- I think I like what Paul again is doing here. Again, just just showing a passion for the lost, a passion for those who are truly seeking to please God but don't know how to do it because they reject because they reject Christ. Yeah. And it, it you can kind of extrapolate that out to modern day terms, people who want to live a good moral life, people who want to get to the end of life and say, "Man, he was a good he was a good dude or she was a good good person. She, you know, they did this that and the other for the poor, they did this that and the other for their families. Like they were great moral people." But the real question is, did they serve God while yeah. doing it? And that's what Paul's pointing out here is like, yeah, you can have all these great intentions to serve, quote unquote, God. But are you serving the one true God? Are you serving Christ? Are you accepting his death, burial, and resurrection for the atonement for your sin? Because if not, yeah, you may have lived a good life here on this earth, but it was for nothing. It was for nothing. Yeah. It's pointless. It was pointless. Because the knowledge of Christ is the only thing that is worth anything in this world. Truly. Yeah. Worth anything in this world. Yeah. So, uh, Paul's hammering that home. And again, we kind of skipped over this, but he, you know, he, he talks about there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. Again, salvation is available. Mm-hmm. Salvation is available. And that is why, no matter where we stand... On, like we talked about last week, the sovereignty of God and the plan of salvation and all that stuff, no matter where we stand, we are called to go. We are called to share the good news and share the gospel. Yep. Do you have a heart and a passion for the lost that Paul is showing here in these last two chapters that we've talked talked through? Do you have that kind of passion? Pray to get it if you don't. Yeah. And, and pray for opportunities because God will give them to you. He'll give them to you. Pray for opportunities to, to share his his message and share the hope that is within you. And he will give you opportunities. So Absolutely. Just be warned. If you're praying for that, he will give it to you. And it will probably not be the way you want it. Well, just like the whole <clears throat> tongue-in-cheek, don't pray for patience because God's going to test you immediately. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. Long-suffering comes from enduring. From suffering. Yeah. <laughs> suffering produces endurance. Yeah. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And again, going back to verse 9, if you're on the fence, if you have not quite committed, I guess we could say, what must you do to be saved? It is because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And it's simple. It is. It's simple, but it is not easy. Correct. Yes, it's easy to say it, but... Do you believe it truly in your heart? And once you say it, are you able to act upon it? There's an old song we used to sing in church that had this line, it didn't come cheap, but I got it, but it's free. It costs a lot. It's easy, but it's really hard on the back end (laughs) to to live it. Yeah. But it's easy to say it, but to believe it and to live it is, is difficult. Yeah. 
Well, it, one of my one of my thoughts I'd love to do is, especially in church, when you have someone come up and they give their life for Christ, they 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 do this, they confess with their mouth, they believe in their heart, they're baptized. At that moment, instead of yes, it needs to be a very happy, very happy moment because that is so cool. But someone needs to look at them and say, "Okay, now we go into war training," because you've just you have just signed a declaration of war against Satan himself. So now you need to be prepared for a full-fledged frontal attack. Exactly. And you're going to be attacked. You're going to be attacked immediately. Immediately. I mean, it's it's going to be... And it may not be... Uh, it could be subtle. It could yeah. be a very subtle attack. Getting back into... You know, for me, one of the things that, that Satan has found out that works on me a lot of times is apathy. It's mm. just getting me to where I don't care for whatever reason, for a spell or even, you know... Or laziness, right? And that doesn't happen just immediately. I'm, I choose to be lazy. Yeah. It just I wake up when I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> I've gone X amount of days without reading reading the Bible, or I've yep. gone X amount of days without praying, and you don't realize it's happening. It's subtle, and and that's going to happen immediately when you when you do choose Christ, and yeah. and and once you do, it's going to happen immediately, and it's going to happen for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this side of heaven. It's going to just keep happening. And so it is. It's war. It's training for war, training for battle, putting on the full armor of God. Yes. And and we need to have that training. You need to be hardened and seasoned Christians that have been through it, that knew they know exactly what happened as soon as they came out of that water, as soon as they confessed and believed, because it's going to happen. And if, if you are listening and you are on the fence or you, you think you're you know, you think you're good, but maybe you realize, maybe I don't have the fruit. Don't hear this as a trying to scare you out of it. It is the best decision you'll ever make. Yes. And it is the only way you're going to have any kind of fulfillment in this life. I mean, you you talk to anyone who isn't saved, and if you really get them to be honest, they're missing something. Yeah. There's something that they just, they're, they're missing. They can't fill. They can't fill. And, and they um, try to fill it with everything they can. Drugs, alcohol, money, sex, all of it. And it just doesn't work. And and they, again, if you get them in an honest moment, they would say, yeah, there's still something missing. And that's what it is. You will never have true joy, true happiness, not just fleeting happiness, true happiness, apart from Christ. It's just not going to happen. You can have fun, right? You can be happy for the moment, but it's not going to be fulfilling. Yeah. It's going to be vanity. All is vanity. So just... Don't be scared off by the fact that it is, you are going to war. In fact, if you're not a believer, you're in war right now. You're at war against God. You're battling against Him. By the way, you're on the losing team. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it is a frightful thing to be in the hands of the Most High God. Yeah. And that's where you're at. Yeah. 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 You are You are fighting a losing battle in that moment. So um, just encourage you guys to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Ask, examine yourself. Is there fruit? If there is fruit, ask God for more fruit. Yeah, ask God mm. for the ability to continue to find fulfillment in Him and Him alone, not on these outside things. Um, and also, if you're not, if if you don't see fruit, talk to somebody. Talk yeah. to God, of course. Talk, pray, mm-hmm. but talk to somebody. Talk to someone you know that is a, a strong believer, and work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Yeah, and, and just see. Am I showing fruit and am I saved? Yeah. And and looking at family, again, like what Paul says, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God is for them that they may be saved. 
are you praying for your family? Are you praying for your friends? Um, what does your prayer look like? Is it just your morning prayer or for dinner you say, hey, pray for this this guy? Or are you truly beseeching the king of the universe on your face and truly interceding for these people as right. we are called to do? And uh, I say that convicting myself because uh, I, I neglect that a lot. And and again, that's something I'm I'm working on as well. But that's that's very important. So, well, that was Romans ten. Um, I hope we were able to dig through it and and do a little justice. Do to a little it. justice to what Paul writes, and um, we're excited to kind of get back into this or continue this. We we thought we were going to take a break, and mm-hmm. and we just both were like, yeah, we don't want to take a break. Don't want to do that. So it felt wrong. <laughs> we are we are gonna do this. Like I said, we're gonna do about one episode a week. I think yeah. uh, just through the holidays, while especially while Austin's working as much as he is, and and um, trying to scrape, scrape some family time. Absolutely. So we will uh, be back next week. I think I'm gonna start putting these out on Wednesdays. So look at it and and put them out on Wednesdays, and we will uh, dive back in next week uh, to another topic, whether it's Romans or whether it's uh, something different. We'll. We'll surprise you. Surprise. <laughs> so, uh, guys, thank you all so much. Uh, like us on Facebook, Instagram. Give us a five-star review. Uh, interact with us. We're on Patreon if you want to support us financially. we got some ideas, some plans. We're going to start in the new year uh, with some building up and building up. Yeah. And, and uh, we're going to get a theme song, I think, is going to be yeah. one of the first things we're going to do. and uh, Some intros. Yeah. So, we're, we're excited to see where this goes, Lord willing, and jump on for the ride. It's going to be a fun one. So we will see you guys next week. Until then, guys, stay stay rooted. rooted. Thank you for listening to our show. If you enjoyed what you heard, like, subscribe, and leave a five-star review. You can find us on Apple, Google, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, at Rooted in Logos Pod, or even on our website, www.rootedinlogospod.com. And if you want to support us financially, visit us at patreon.com slash rootedinlogospod.